Good morning. Good to be together on this brisk morning. I think uh, if you've been with us, you know that uh, from God's side, God intended Christmas to be a time of great joy. Uh, A time of great joy. Luke chapter 2 and verse 10 uh, reads like this. The angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. Uh, But as we've thought about it, uh, for many people, Christmas was and uh, still is today, um, the idea of God actually coming close uh, creates great fear for a lot of people. The idea of God getting right into my space and right into my life and uh, coming that uh, close to me, as close as any other person, uh, the idea of that welcoming him into my space can be very Uh, threatening. And so our goal for Christmas this year is to come out on the other side of Christmas with less fear and more faith. Faith and fear are opposite ideas. And um, if we'd have less uh, fear and more faith, uh, we'd enjoy the benefits of why Jesus actually uh, came uh, at Christmas time. And so we've already seen that um, Jesus, above all, came to express God's love to us. God really does love you. Uh, God made you and God created you and breathed his life into you and shares with you. Uh, God, in fact, really does love you. And God is reaching out at Christmas to each of us uh, because he loves us. You know, love always finds a way to get over separation and to get rid of distance. Isn't that true? Uh, There's all kinds of stories that you could probably think of, of different things that maybe you've even done in your life to overcome distance or separation. That's what love does. And that's really what Christmas is all about, that God's love overcame the distance between him and us because he loves us. He really does love each and every one of us. And then we've seen that um, Christmas is also God's way of bringing genuine uh, joy into our lives, Uh, lasting joy. Uh, the kind of uh, joy that's not dependent, you know, on circumstances and different things that happen over the course of our lives. We read the scripture this morning that says, look, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. There's no way around it. Satan, the Bible says, is the small g God of this world. Uh, And so God said, no, uh, I want you to have this lasting joy or what I like to think of as biblical happiness. Uh, The biblical happiness Uh, that God makes available through uh, Jesus. Biblical happiness can come through to us through Christmas. And so this morning, I'd like to invite you to think with me about peace, Uh, a third uh, kind of uh, gift, if you will, of Advent that God desires for us to experience as a result of Christmas, of Jesus coming close. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 13, you're familiar with these words, uh, 13 and 14, Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. On earth, peace. And so one of the great gifts that God intends for us to experience is the reality of peace in each of our lives because of Jesus coming into the world. Um, I've been doing a little personal survey and just bumping into people and kind of asking them a question when I feel like they're friendly enough that they don't feel I'm, you know, uh, you know kind of in their face or whatever. But I'm like, I like to ask people, you know, hey, if you could ask God for anything in your life, 
what would you ask him for? Okay? And if you just go around and, and, you know, if you're waiting online in the grocery store or something and the person in front of you looks a little bit friendly or behind you, say, hey, I'm trying to take a little survey here. Well, if you could ask God for anything you wanted in your life, which, by the way, you can, right? We know that. And uh, so the two things that are themes that kind of come out of that when you do that, uh, I've found anyway, is health, you know, and it's if you're talking to somebody older, they're about health. And uh, other people are, are saying peace. I'd give anything for peace, um, a personal peace, you know, a settled peace. And uh, <clears throat> in this scripture reading that we read this morning from uh, John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus said this when he was here. He said, peace I leave with you, my peace. Okay? Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So two observations from what Jesus said to us. You know, first of all, the peace that God wants us to have is not available from the world. My peace I leave with you, not as the world gives. And so the peace that the world gives is very different from the peace that God gives. Um, There are two different sources of peace. And I think if we don't understand that, if we keep looking for peace on the basis of, you know, what the world can do for us, and uh, then uh, we never really experience or look for uh, this different uh, peace, which comes from God through Jesus to us. And uh, notice also in this verse, a second observation, not only is the peace that God gives different from what the world has to offer, uh, but also um, the greatest uh, threat to the peace that God wants to give us is fear. Uh, Look, the second part of what Jesus says in this verse is, you know, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Fear is the biggest threat to the peace that God wants us to experience through uh, Christ. Um, And so, again, we're looking to, you know, have less fear and more faith. We're looking for faith to replace uh, fear. So God's peace is not dependent on circumstances. Um, God never encourages us, never, to deny reality. Never encourages us to pretend that our circumstances aren't real. Uh, he, he said, you know, in the world you're going to have uh, tribulations. He never wants us to deny reality. Uh, but he does encourage us to always tell ourselves that he is in control. That he's sovereign. And uh, that he has come in Jesus to be with us and he is in control and his peace is more powerful than any circumstance, more powerful than the enemy that we face. Uh, God's peace really shows up when the world's peace kind of walks out. Isn't that about right? Uh, When the world's peace walks out, uh, God's peace walks in. Uh, 1 John 4, 4, we're reminded great truth and I go back to this often in my life um, when when we encounter the world's peace kind of leaving us John 4, 4, little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. He who's in you, once you allow Jesus into your space, once you welcome him into your heart, once he comes by his spirit and takes up residence in your life, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And that's why the Bible says faith is what overcomes the world. And it's the spirit of God in us is greater 
uh, than the spirit that's in the world. And that's very comforting. The world's peace uh, walks out and God's peace walks in. The world's peace walks out when somebody dear and, and, and special to us uh, leaves us, uh, passes on. Uh, the world's peace walks out on us. But God's peace walks in in those situations. When we lose a loved one, uh, the world's peace walks out when somebody we care about uh, is sick or gets in an accident or is injured in some way. Uh, the world's peace walks out when we lose our job and God's peace walks in. The world's peace walks out when the market goes into a free fall, right? And uh, especially if you're older and you're looking at retirement and your money is invested and the market starts to fall, uh, the world's peace walks away. The world's peace walks out when uh, pain, the pain of rejection happens in our lives. Somebody that we uh, think is special uh, rejects us or uh, broken dreams you know, come uh, our way. God's peace is different. God's peace is actually described in the Bible. You probably are well aware of this. But in Philippians chapter 4, God's peace is described in the Bible as surpassing all understanding. God's peace surpasses all understanding. In other words, it's something that comes to us from heaven. It comes directly outside of ourselves, comes to us uh, from a different source, a different place, and it surpasses understanding. Philippians uh, 4 and verse 7, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind. Your heart, your, mo your emotions, your feelings, and your mind, your thoughts. When you allow the peace of God to come and to take up residence and get into our uh, lives, it protects our hearts and our minds. Uh, it passes, surpasses understanding, which means it's beyond reasoning out. Um, haven't you had situations in your life where um, the world's peace has walked out on you for whatever reason, and uh, God's peace has come into your life, and other people have observed you and, and said, I can't believe that you're so calm in this situation. I can't believe that you're at, you, you have such peace. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's a peace that surpasses all understanding. There is no natural explanation for the peace that can take up residence in our lives in the face of the various kinds of trials and, and uh, tribulation that comes our way. I hope that you've had experiences like that from time to time where the peace of God that surpasses understanding uh, can't be explained rationally, but it's a reality to us. Uh, the miracle of Christmas is the peace that comes to us from our Father in heaven through Jesus, his Son. And it's able to guard your heart and your mind. It's able to guard your emotional life to keep it intact, you know. Uh, and it's able to guard your mind so that you continue to uh, think uh, true thoughts. And so can I just say also that uh, this peace um, that God gives to us is for all people. It's for all personality types. Uh, sometimes people will say, well, you know, some people are just naturally calm. They naturally are people of peace, you know. Uh, but the truth is, no, this is for all people. It's not limited to... Uh, any one group of people. It's not limited to our social status. Sometimes people say, well, you know, if I was in that social status, well, I'd have peace too. Not true. Uh, so it's not limited to a particular um, culture. 
you know, a particular uh, kind of nationality, if you will. It's not uh, limited to a particular race. It's from God, and it's for all people, and it's a gift that God gives to every person who welcomes Jesus into their space, chooses to trust who Jesus is and what he did, and, um, and pursues a God-first life. Do you realize there's over 300 verses in the Bible that talk about God's peace? God wants us to experience the reality of the peace that he brings. Uh, I would say to you that God, first of all, above everything else, wants us to be at peace with himself. He wants us to be at peace with, with himself. And that's why he sent Jesus, so that we could have peace with God. And once we have peace with God, then we can have peace with ourselves. On the basis of our peace with God, on the basis of the fact that God loves us and God puts joy on us and God values us and, and God is for us and, and what Jesus accomplished for us and so forth, on the basis of our peace with God, we can have peace with ourselves. And that's really what people are looking for is peace within themselves. And then once we have peace with ourselves, we can have peace with other people. We can be at peace with other people. Because we have this outside source of peace that's coming into our lives. We have it to give away. And we've learned how God made peace with us through forgiveness and through grace. And so we have other people in our lives. And we, too, can begin to approach them um, with uh, forgiveness and with grace. Uh, one of the uh, places in Romans chapter uh, 12, um, I, I love the way the Bible puts this, um, talks about talks about our peace with other people like this. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live at peace with everybody. If possible, so far as it depends upon you, right, be at peace with everybody. It's not like mandated that we have to uh, make peace with everybody because some people don't want to be at peace. It's just like God who's coming into the world at Christmas time in the person of Jesus and offering peace with himself. Not everybody takes advantage of it. Not everybody says, oh, I'd love to be at peace with God. Who wouldn't want that? You know, and not everybody wants to be at peace with you. So as far as it depends on you, in other words, God has done everything he can do to make peace with us. He's offered us grace. He's offered us forgiveness and so forth. And he does his part. And God says, you be like me. When it comes to other people and being at peace with people, you be like me. And you do everything you can as far as it depends upon you. You go the extra mile to offer uh, peace, right? Uh, as far as, it, if it's po as if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peacefully uh, with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. You know, uh, the choir reminded us this morning that uh, Jesus coming into the world is in two parts, right? The first part already happened, but the second part is yet to come. And there are many, many promises associated with the return of Jesus into our world. And one of them is that he will take care of vengeance. He will get even. He will defend his people. You don't have to do that. And so when we are offended and when people, you know, uh, upset us or come against us or offend us in some way, you know, vengeance is God's. God will take care of it. Can you trust him? Can you relax and just say, you know what? I'm going to maintain the peace that promises me that God will uh, uh, avenge us uh, in the future when he comes back and, and so on. 
And uh, what a freedom that is, how much peace that uh, uh, begins to uh, bring to us. And then beyond peace with God and peace with ourselves and peace with other people, uh, Jesus, when he was here, he said, blessed are the peacemakers. So beyond that, you and I can be agents of God's peace in the world in which we live, right? And uh, we can uh, extend that peace into other people's lives if we're willing. And, um, and, and God will use us to help people get peace with God, to help people have peace with, within themselves, and to help people uh, be at peace with one another. Blessed are the peacemakers. So God's peace um, is the product, really, of faith. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. And I want to suggest to you this morning that when it comes to peace, the real issue of faith is this. It gets down to this. Um, do we really believe that God is in control? Can we really trust God that he is in control? And can we um, relax and uh, rest in God's um, sovereignty? Now, I know it's hard. Uh, We can say yes because we're in church and we know that's what we're supposed to say. Of course we can trust God and so forth. But, you know, this week was just uh, the five-year anniversary of um, Sandy Hook. And, uh, you know, it's easy to just kind of say, you know, Do we trust that God is in control? And when something like that robs us of our peace and upsets us, you know, all around the world, do we still believe that God is in control? And how do we begin to allow our minds to get around the idea that uh, God allows the tribulation uh, that comes into our world? And, uh, you know, I begin to think, like, in that particular situation, Uh, I wonder what it would be like to die as a young child and to grow up in heaven. I wonder what that would be like. I wonder how much comfort that could bring to a parent if they had faith instead of fear uh, that God actually knows what he's doing and that you can entrust him even with your children. You know, what would it be like to grow up in heaven and skip the tribulation part? The older we get, the more we say, you know, maybe that's not such a bad thing and so on. But the issue is, you know, can we trust that God is sovereign and can we trust that he is in control? And if you don't think God is in control, then you have to ask the question, well, who do you think is in control? Who's in control? And uh, lots of people uh, feel that, you know, nobody's in control and so I have to be in control. And uh, people try to be in control, but that's... uh, that's a peace breaker, right? Um, they think nobody's in control. But as soon as you try to think of somebody other than God being in control, uh, you invite fear into your life instead of peace. And so many people feel like they have to be in control because they simply can't trust God with this or that situation. You know, I trust God, but, you know, in this situation, he's not coming through for me in the way that I want, so I have to take control back from him. And instead of my faith growing and going deeper and trusting him, even in this situation, uh, we give in to uh, fear that God's not going to control things the way I want them or whatever. Uh, But again, as soon as we do that, we invite fear and our peace evaporates. And so just think with me for a minute about, um, you know, the fact that, uh, for example, when we talk about control, uh, that God has promised to provide for us. If you go back to uh, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' famous sermon in Matthew chapter 6, and uh, like uh, Matthew 6, 25, 
Uh, Jesus says this, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Don't be anxious about your life. Well, easier said than done, right? Don't be anxious about your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, or about your body, what you're going to put on. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, and uh, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them, and are you not of more value than they? And which of you, <clears throat> by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? What really does anxiety do anyway? And uh, why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow, and uh, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith. Therefore, don't be anxious, saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? Uh, what are we going to wear? For the Gentiles seek after those things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these other things will be added to your life. Uh, when I was a kid in high school, I came across that verse. And I still remember saying, do I believe that or not? I was at the end of high school. I was trying to decide what to do with my life. And all of a sudden, that verse just jumped. You know how once in a while a verse just jumps off the page? I still remember it. And uh, I just got on my knees. I still remember uh, towards the end of high school in my room at home. And I just said, I have to decide whether I'm going to believe you or not. Because I was about to make a decision uh, to get into a career that would provide me with food and clothes and, and you know, uh, just what this passage is talking about. Take care of yourself. And... Um, and it came this verse, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and God will take care of all that other stuff. And uh, so I chose to believe God that, you know, he was telling me the truth, and I wasn't going to worry about uh, that. And so, uh, and then the last verse in this little section, Jesus says, therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow will have enough anxiety of its own. <laughs> don't be anxious. I think one of the uh, largest um, thieves, if you will, of uh, our life uh, is anxiety, of our peace, is anxiety. And so, um, you know, um, God provides. I'm, I'm thinking that all around the world today, uh, those uh, millions of shoebox gifts, 150 plus from our own church, are uh, probably being opened in different places all around the world today. And some kid uh, maybe for the very first time in their life, is receiving the first gift that they've ever gotten. And in those gifts are provisions, right, that have come from us in Jesus' name. And just think of the joy. You've seen the uh, videos of kids opening those gifts, you know, that uh, are sent to them in Jesus' name. Uh, we can't have peace if we refuse to let God be our provider, both in this life and in the life to come. And uh, yes, God has many means, and, and especially you know, us working and, and uh, careers and, and uh, providing uh, through different means. But um, somebody said to me recently, who's uh, going through some real trials in their life, uh, they said this. They said, you know, God has provided for me my whole life. When I look back, I see God's hand of provision over my whole life. I would be silly, this person says, 
if I were to stop trusting him now when it feels like my whole life is coming unglued? All of a sudden, there's several things going on in uh, this person's life that are threatening um, peace. And uh, how silly it would be of me after looking back and seeing God's history in my life for me to not trust him. But in order to trust him in the midst of this trial, I have to go deeper with my trust than ever before. My faith has to increase. It has to grow. It has to be able to accommodate something that it never has uh, before. And so there are many things, you know, over which uh, we don't have any control. God is in control. There's many things that we don't have control over. You don't have control over your race. It's really kind of dumb for us to judge people on the basis of race. Well, nobody has any control over their race. Uh, We don't have uh, any control over our nationality. We don't have any control over our gender, uh, our physical size, our looks, our talents, our abilities, gifts, our IQ, our past. There's a lot of things over which we don't have control. And people try to assert control over these things. And they go against, you know, uh, God in, in the ways that he's made us and so forth. But we do have control, okay, over our thoughts, We don't have control over a lot of things. We don't have control over what happens to us. Uh, But we do have control over our thoughts. We choose what we think. We choose what we think. Uh, There's a really famous passage of scripture in um, Romans chapter 12 and verses 1 and 2, especially the second verse, uh, where the Bible says, listen, if you choose the way you think, it can change your whole life. Remember this passage in uh, Romans 12? I appeal to you, you know, Paul has written Romans, and the first 11 chapters are all theology. They're all about God and sin and people and so forth. And he gets to chapter 12 and he says, therefore, therefore, right? I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, by starting to choose thoughts that are based on faith, not fear. By the renewing of your mind, you can transform your entire life. By the renewing of your mind. We choose our thoughts. Um, uh, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable uh, and perfect. There are many things that we have no say in, but we choose how we think, and um, it changes our entire lives. Uh, Another passage of Scripture that, um, again, affirms this uh, is in Philippians chapter 4. And uh, where Paul writes to this church and he says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Think about these things. Choose your thoughts. Choose what you think about because we have that choice. We We choose what we feed our minds. Um, What you have learned and received and heard and seen and may practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. We choose our thoughts. And that's really important for us to understand. Um, Lots of changes happen when we realize that our thoughts, you know, uh, are to be influenced by our beliefs. 
Every once in a while, it's just a great idea to turn off the TV and open up the Bible and feed your mind the thoughts of God. Because the world, through the TV and through all kinds of media, is constantly feeding us and trying to influence what we think. But what we think is primarily influenced um, by what we believe. And uh, when faith in God's control replaces fear by believing somebody else has to be in control, a whole different set of thoughts becomes available to us. And uh, generally, our actions follow our thoughts, right? Be transformed. You can change your whole life by the renewing of your mind. Our actions tend to follow our thoughts. If you think you're a failure, you'll act like a failure. And guess what? You'll be a failure. If you think you're ugly, you'll act like you're ugly. And guess what? In the end, you'll just be an ugly person, right? If you think you're better than everybody else, guess what? You're going to act better than everybody else. And in the end, you know what's going to happen? You're going to be a very lonely person, right? See, our actions follow our thoughts, and our thoughts are influenced by our beliefs. And if we uh, start with fear of something instead of faith in what God has told us and what God has done for us, uh, we end up with a whole different life. Uh, how we choose to think, the ideas we feed our mind really matters. And generally, they're influenced by our beliefs. And so peace is directly related to faith-based thinking, not fear-based thinking. Less fear, more faith. And, um, and Christmas affords us the opportunity to do that. And so when... Um, uh, when you realize that your thoughts are influenced by your beliefs, uh, if we start with wrong beliefs, uh, then our thoughts are going to uh, be fear-bound and uh, our lives are going to be uh, stifled uh, by not enjoying the peace that God came to give us at Christmas. And so oftentimes, um, there, are, there are wrong beliefs that are behind uh, the way many people think. Uh, wrong beliefs about God. Uh, number one, it seems to me, is especially blaming God for what Satan is responsible for. This is a confusing spot, like if you take a situation like Sandy Hook, and um, you realize that the small g God of this world is out to destroy and to steal and to kill and to harm, and uh, is behind all of that. If you read like the book of Job, right, God gives Satan permission to do so much. Uh, and it's all uh, designed to grow faith. Uh, but God doesn't do that. And if you blame God for abuses and injustices and tragedies, you won't be able to trust him. If you blame God, if we have wrong thoughts about God, um, and we blame him for what Satan's responsible for, and then we turn around and say, what you need to do is trust God. It's impossible to trust God if you're blaming him for the injustices and tragedies uh, that have happened in our lives. And so wrong thinking about God uh, creates a, 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 it's at the root of, of missing out on a lot of peace. Uh, trust really is, you know, the uh, uh, root of peace. So wrong beliefs about God, wrong beliefs about the Bible uh, is another uh, common place where uh, we lose peace. Wrong beliefs about the Bible. If you think the Bible's out of date, if you think it's written by people instead of God, if you think the Bible's not accurate or it's irrelevant or it can't be trusted or it can't be understood, I bump into people lots of times say, well, I've tried to read the Bible, I can't understand it, and they've dropped it. If you think the Bible can't be understood, you're just wrong in all of those thoughts. If God doesn't communicate with us, we have no basis for trusting him. 
And trust is, again, at the root of peace. Uh, wrong beliefs about relating to God uh, create fears. Uh, most people still think it's about how good I am instead of how good God is. Right? Most people still think that a relationship with God is dependent on how good of a person I am, not how good of a God God really is. That he would give us grace and forgiveness and accept us and, and, and so forth. And so people are never really sure of their status or their relationship with God, and it robs our peace. Uh, the wrong belief creates all kinds of wrong thinking, and it draws uh, the life out of God's forgiveness and grace and, and his great salvation, all of which is wrapped up in the person of Jesus at Christmas time. Uh, wrong beliefs about life, right, in general. Uh, sometimes people just choose to not think about God at all, just believing that this life is all there is, that there's nothing on the other side, that there is no God, that it all happened by chance and so forth, ignoring all the ways that God declares his own existence. And so wrong beliefs lead to wrong thoughts, which in turn make us vulnerable to what I call uh, peace pirates. <laughs> peace pirates. You've heard about the porch pirates, right, who follow the FedEx guy around. The FedEx guy puts the package on the step on the porch, and the next guy comes and steals it and pirates it and so forth. Well, there are peace pirates, you know, and uh, again, maybe the most common peace pirate is anxiety. And so um, the Greek word in the Bible for anxiety, you might be interested in this. You know what it really means, the word anxiety in the Greek? It means distracted. Anxiety is the inability to focus. That's what it means. Anxiety means distracted. Or um, it also uh, means, especially when we think about it, uh, in terms of the future, it means uncertainty. It's distracted or uncertain. And uh, again, uh, anxiety, we, we lose our focus. Um, it's a distraction in the present, but when it's about the future, it's an uncertainty. You know, uh, we're like, suppose this happens, suppose that happens. And um, it creates anxiety. It's an uncertainty about the future. Again, a failure to appreciate how much God is actually in control. Anxiety happens when something uh, unwanted shows up in our lives, and it's usually uh, a feeling before it's a thought, and it's usually a response to something undesired, right? Something that usually creates a threat to us and uh, makes uncertainty uh, a reality. Uh, really, another word for anxiety is worry, right? It's the same idea. And so... When you think about this now, and uh, if you don't remember anything from uh, what I've said today, uh, try to remember this. Um, you realize that anxiety happens because of the way we think about what happens to us. In other words, no event or no circumstance or no situation creates anxiety. What creates anxiety and distraction is the way we think about what's happened to us. Another way of saying that is, you know, it's not what happens to us, but what happens in us that makes the difference. It's how we respond, either by faith or by fear. It's our response that creates the anxiety. Um, it's not a situation that causes anxiety. It's our response to it, and the choice of our response is almost always between fear and faith. And Christmas happens so that we could have less fear and more faith. And the result of that is more peace. And that's one of the gifts of Advent that God wants to give us in uh, Christmas. 
And so when our responses are fear-based, uh, it's often rooted in a number of things. Um, it's often rooted, first of all, in a poor uh, sense of self-worth, right? We, we simply haven't appropriated or believed uh, the value that God places on us enough to send his son to put him on the cross, to reconcile us to himself, to promise us a future uh, that's beyond our wildest dreams. That's how much he values us. And Christmas is a message of, again, how much God loves us and values us and so forth. So when we don't believe that, uh, our response uh, then to circumstances and situations is greatly altered uh, and uh, not usually faith-based, but fear-based. If we really don't trust him, uh, we create anxiety. Um, You know, um, when our responses uh, are fear-based, they're often rooted uh, in a desire to be in control. Right, Because, again, we don't trust, we don't believe that God is really in control in this or that particular uh, situation. And so we have to take it up. And when we do, we lose peace. And uh, we just really don't trust him, and it creates anxiety. You've heard the phrase, like, worried to death. You've never heard the phrase, worried to life. Like, wow, worry is going to bring me more life. No, worried to death. Worry and anxiety can actually kill you. You know, there are studies that are done that show that that stress and worry and anxiety, when we respond to life that way, it actually uh, eventually, you know, takes its toll on us physically and so forth. And uh, it's true. We could worry ourselves to death. When our responses are more fear-based than faith-based, it's often rooted in uh, worry about what other people think about us, right, rather than what God thinks about us. And um, we're concerned because, again, because we don't believe in our value or we don't believe you know, uh, what God has told us, we begin to compare ourselves with each other or we count on our performance to impress other people or, uh, you know, and what a, a anxiety happens. Uh, our, father, uh, our Father's opinion in heaven is really what matters. You're probably familiar with this passage of Scripture too in Hebrews chapter 13 and verses 5 and 6. Um, the Bible says this, It says, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Never. Once you welcome Jesus into your space, once you welcome God into your life, once you open your heart to the spirit of the living God, God makes a promise and says, listen, I will never leave you. Right? It creates this kind of uh, peace. I will never leave you or forsake you, so we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear. Because the presence of God comes with the peace of God. And so when I know that God will never leave me, he'll never forsake me, no matter how bad I mess up, no matter how unglued my life becomes, God has made a promise that he will never leave me or forsake me, so therefore fear begins to dissipate. When our response is fear-based, it's often rooted in a desire to fit in with the world. The world says, forget about God. Just get ahead. It really doesn't matter. The world says, forget about your character. What really matters is getting ahead. Uh, The world is very different. When we have this uh, passion to fit in with the world, um, on and on it goes, it leads to anxiety. Uh, The really only secure place to turn for peace in this life is in the promises of God. It's the only place where we can find the kind of security and peace 
that God intends for us to live, to live with. And so how do we reduce anxiety and increase peace? How do we have less fear, more uh, faith? Uh, well, we start by asking ourselves, what do I really believe about God? And I begin to feed my mind the truth that's uh, from God's word. And the more I increase the way I think about God, based on the truth gleaned from God's word, and especially from Jesus, his living word, who came at Christmas time, um, the more peace uh, will begin to settle into our lives. And uh, if anxiety is basically being distracted and unable to focus, uh, then we can ask the Lord to help us focus on what he wants us to think and what he wants us to do. You know what we could do at Christmas time? We could increase worship. Because what is worship? Isn't it a time to focus on God? Isn't it a time to kind of come apart from the world and to refocus? You know, uh, last uh, Sunday afternoon, the, uh, we had a concert, you know, a Christmas concert. And it was a time that people really enjoyed because it was a time to, to refocus on what God did for us at Christmas time, starting way back, you know, at the very beginning in Genesis and just contemplating and thinking and feeding our minds the truth about how much value God puts on each one of us that he went through all of this trouble and carefully laid it all out in the scriptures so nobody would miss it hundreds of years before it happens and all the rest of it. What a wonderful time. It's worship. And uh, when we increase our worship, we, we, we intentionally focus and uh, we kick out the anxiety that uh, normally occupies uh, so much of our time. Um, most of all, we can trust what we know about God. Trust is really the antidote for anxiety. Trust is the antidote for anxiety. It's the pathway to peace. And when I trust God, there's always this growing edge to trust. You know what? There's always more room for trust. You never get to the place where I'm done trusting God. There's always a growing edge to trust, right? There's always something else that God's inviting us to trust. But he's trustworthy, and uh, he is better than we think. And so, so I wanted you to meet uh, a young lady in our church named Jennifer Devotee this morning. Uh, and I wanted to uh, just ask uh, Jennifer a couple of questions so you can get to know her. And uh, she has a, a son that's in the service, and um, she'll tell you about him. His name's Ian. She has two sons. She has another son, Stuart. And uh, that's enough to create anxiety for any mom, as I understand it. And so, Jen, have a seat, and uh, thanks for being willing to just uh, share a little bit. How long have you been a believer, Jen? Oh, gosh. <clears throat> All my life, I was raised in a Christian home. There you go. Um, but uh, I was raised by a very strong woman. My dad died when I was nine months old, and huh. she never remarried. So um, she raised us all to be strong in the Lord. And each Sunday we would go and we would visit my dad at the cemetery. And she never made it anything creepy or anything like that. Um, during the fall, she would let us take boxes, and we would slide down the hills in boxes. And at this particular cemetery, they have a beautiful grotto that has the different stations of the cross made with like a crystal-like structure. And we would always go in there. And um, she always made it seem that this is, it's not really a place for dead people. It's a place where life begins again. You know, you just, you turn the page. And yeah. I was reminded of that recently, uh, two years ago, my mother passed. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, from the minute from the minute she got to the hospice, 
it was, when am I going to die? You know, when am I going to get to see the Lord? Because she was so strong in her belief. As a matter of fact, um, I guess it was on our second day there, the doctors and the nursing staff were making their rounds of the facility so they could get to know all the patients. And they had said, all right, now, Marie, if you have any questions, you know, make sure that you, you know, you're welcome to ask them or have one of your daughters ask them. And her question for me to ask them was, when am I going to die? When am I going to go to heaven? And she didn't, she wasn't saying that to be rude. She just knew that the Lord was her Savior, and she was so ready to be a part of that. And uh, it was just, you know, it was just a beautiful thing to witness. And it really gave me peace knowing that that uh, she was so well-grounded in the Lord. So, as a matter of fact, in the room next door to her, uh, I've told this story to some of my friends, but in the room next door to her, two different patients died within the same week. Hmm. And Mother asked the doctor if she could move, that that was the lucky room. (laughs) That was the room. (laughs) So, you know, but uh, she helped us all stay grounded. And because of that, I don't think I've ever really grieved tremendously the way that some people grieve because her strength was able to give me the peace that I needed to go through that and now I know that she's reunited with all those that she loved that went before her my dad my brother her parents all five of her brothers so she is where she wants to be with our Lord Jesus Christ and she has set that stage for us wow so um, tell us a little bit about your son in Okay, he, um, actually that's an interesting story as well. If you would have told me 10 years ago that one of my boys would have joined the military, I would have said, sure, Stuart will go. Because Stuart <laughs> was my soccer guy, my wrestling guy. He was yeah. gung-ho. And Ian was the silent and quiet type. But um, during, and I'm not sure how the idea came upon him, but he was working down at Disney, Disney World. And my husband was between jobs, and we were, his time was coming up to leave that job and come back home. And we kept thinking, you know, how in the world are we going to bring him back home from Orlando? Mm-hmm. And because Frank was not working at that time, the Lord blessed us with the opportunity for him to be able to go down and pack Ian up mm-hmm. and drive back. And it was during that time that he shared with his dad that uh, he wanted to go into the Air Force. And so Frank said, okay, but when you go uh, to the recruiters, I want to go with you. I want to hear what's being said. I don't want you to sign anything unless we've, you know, until we've talked about it together. And the Lord really blessed that time of Frank's being out of work and Ian coming together to make this decision. And it just brought a whole piece about the whole situation. And um, I also feel very lucky and blessed that he's in kind of a protected position. He's an airborne cryptolinguist. And um, he, which means he, uh, he went out to California, poor thing, Monterey, California, to study language, but he studied the Arabic language. And so now he, uh, he and his crew that he's a part of, they fly over different Arabic regions and pick up the chatter that's going through all the stations, and then they take it back to their base and try and figure out, you know, what the next plan is, you know, what the next step is. And... Um, I feel. Aren't you, aren't you glad we have people doing this kind of stuff for us? I mean, like your son. I mean, think about that. I mean, that's all part of it, right? You know, it really is protecting and, us. Yes, and yeah. when I think about when I see these stories and they talk about people that have committed certain 
crimes or things, mm. and they say that they've been on the radar of the United States. I know that my son is part of that radar system. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, I feel very blessed, and I feel very lucky that he's at least not in the sandbox, as they call it. He hasn't been deployed there. Yeah. He's been protected somewhat. Right now, he's stationed in England um, at Royal Air Force Base Mildenhall, which is in Suffolk. Yeah. And when he was deployed recently, he was deployed to the island of Cyprus. Yeah. So um, the Lord, again, has given us some you know, a great measure of peace in yeah. that. So yeah. I feel very blessed. But I did want to tell you that this church, this church family, was also a tremendous um, uh, foundation to that peace because everybody was praying for him, whether they knew that he was my son or not. You know, the choir, they prayed for him. And um, at that time, you know, he had grown up in this church, and Brittany was in charge of the youth group, yeah. and I asked the youth group to adopt him yeah. and to write him letters of encouragement and send him news and just chat, stuff like that, and they did. Yeah. And it was really such a blessing. So not only did the foundation come from my mother, but it comes from places like this when you have really a, a strong church family to yeah. give you that peace yeah. and to lean on. So what I hear you saying, Jen, is the way you grew up really conditioned you to respond to the different situations that have come along in your life with faith, not fear. Yes, and, right? and you would think that that would work 100% of the time, but it well, hasn't. I'm sure it hasn't 100%, but, uh, you know, would you describe yourself as the anxious type? Would you say, you know, some people would say, oh, wow, that's a really uptight person anyway, or... I don't know if I'd call myself anxious. I'm a bit of a control freak, uh, I think, uh, I've realized. All right. Um, but, and I'm trying to dial back on that. Yeah. I, I, and I never really saw myself as that. But when I got to be a teacher and I found out that I can do things this way and they don't have to be done that way, then, boy, I ran with that. <laughs> and <laughs> it's kind of taken on a life of its own, so I need to dial that back. But, yes, I think that... Um, growing up in a Christian home sure. yeah. and yeah. Um, experiencing what I experienced, what, you know, the family that my mother had and stuff like that, yeah. I think that that's really helped yeah. to bring us, you know, to bring me to the point that we are. And um, I'm lucky enough to, to uh, be able to share that, you know, with my husband and the boys. Yeah. And uh, that's another part of it, too. So, yes. Do you think that um, not having your biological dad with you from the time you were nine years old made a difference in terms of just how you leaned on God to be your father, your heavenly father? Your mom certainly sounds like... Perhaps yeah. perhaps so, yes. Yeah. I always saw my dad as an extension of the Lord because I knew that they were together in heaven. Yeah. And I knew that one day when I died, not only would I get to be with my father in heaven, I'd get to meet my dad. Yeah. You know, wow. so, you yeah. know, that's how I've always thought about it. Yeah. Isn't it great how, what a difference faith can make in our response to negative, what we would all call a very negative situation. Have your dad die when you're young, but yet, you know, to have faith that uh, he's an extension of, of God to you still. That's great. Thanks for being willing to Thank share. You. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Go ahead. <laughs> Heavenly Father, uh, we do thank you that you've given us the option to respond to life by faith. I thank you for Jen and for her story and uh, for the way, Father, that you have built uh, your truth into her to such a degree that uh, her response to different situations, which would be you know, very threatening and anxiety-producing to many people, 
uh, she's able to face, Father, with your uh, confidence, your truth, your spirit. And we just thank you, Father, for that gift of faith in the face of uh, the, uh, you know, the peace pirates that would come our way. Uh, thank you for the victory that's ours through faith in Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks, Jen.